It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. In your Bibles, we're going to begin in Isaiah chapter 10. Now, I know we've been teaching on faith, actually, since, the, since we started in September. And uh, I just felt like shifting gears. It sounded good to me and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we're going to begin to look at the anointing because we are. This is prayer, uh, uh, faith, and healing. And so that uh, aspect of the anointing of God, and, and we'll not just uh, uh, zero in on the healing side of it because there's so, uh, so many uh, dimensions to the anointing of God, uh, but we will, uh, you know, put a lot of ef- uh, emphasis on uh, the healing anointing. But I'm telling you, the anointing of God will work in, in many areas of your life. Uh, you know, one of the first areas that I really recognized uh, the anointing working in my life was as a student, uh, uh, going to Bible school and beginning in the fall of 1984, and and uh, there were 120, I think 120 of us started, 91 of us graduated, and uh, uh, the teachers were, uh, two of them had degrees, one of them had two degrees, uh, all of the subjects were very uh, intense, and uh, you know there were tests. There were all, and I just never was a very good student in junior high, high school. Not, I just never was a very good student, and so uh, uh, I, I, I could tell right off the bat I was going to struggle. I was going to have a hard time, and I got to the place where I just wanted to quit because I couldn't do enough work to keep up. I mean, I'd pray and then I'd study all day. I'd go to Bible school, pray, and I tell you, it was just wearing me out, and I was getting frustrated. And then the Lord showed me how by faith. Uh, to begin to approach that challenge of my life, and the anointing came. And when the anointing came, uh, it was actually an ability uh, to step outside of my own inability and step into God's ability. And the Lord just anointed uh, my uh, the rest of the school year. I ended up getting a, an award for a scholastic achievement an award, and also an award for uh, uh, attendance. And I lived further than anybody else in the class. <laughs> And I'm the one that got the award for attendance. I was at every class. Every time they had a class, I was there. Uh, but I, that was the first time that I recognized. Now, now this will help, may help some of you. That I recognized there was something that was not of me. Let me say that again. There was something that was not of me. It wasn't of me. I couldn't go say, well, look what I'm doing. Look how I'm, you know, I finally figured all this kind of stuff out. I couldn't say that. It, it was obvious that it was God that there had been an anointing released in order uh, for me to uh, finish that particular uh, uh, phase of my preparation for ministry. Now, the same thing's true for, for everybody, for everybody in the body of Christ. I've met men that were anointed to be businessmen. I mean, they just had an anointing on them uh, to do whatever it was uh, in, in, you know, in business, whatever their business was. I've met people that were uh, anointed to do uh, all kinds of things. Of course, you, it comes to the... Uh, the operation of the church. You want everybody to be anointed. Amen. You want people working in the nursery anointed. You want the ushers anointed. You want the sound people anointed. You want the praise and worship team anointed. You want all of those anointed because when people are anointed, people see God in them. Now, we're in Isaiah. I'm going to quote a scripture in, in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. But stay there in Isaiah. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says how God, everybody say God, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, this is something that's very unique 
in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, most uh, traditional Christian views, now listen to this very carefully because it may help you to uh, minister to some of your friends, especially if some of them need healing. The traditional Christian view of the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is Jesus just went around healing everybody because He was God, because of His deity. You know, because He was uh, the Word made flesh and all those different things. And so He was just, you know, He's, he's Jesus, you know, so he can, just, he can just do that. Well, actually, if you study the Gospels, you'll see that's not true. There were people that couldn't get healed. There was unbelief in His own hometown, and it shut down that miracle-working power. And in reality, Jesus didn't heal anybody. If you study the Word carefully, you'll see Jesus didn't heal anybody. God did. The Bible said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus actually Himself said, uh, The works that I do are not mine, neither are the words that I speak are mine. They're my Father's. You understand what I'm saying? You say, well, how does that help us today? By understanding that, that it was not some special endowment that Jesus had because He was deity. It was, it was because He was in correct relationship to His Father that the Heavenly Father anointed Him to do what He did. And I'd like to say this. He was anointed to heal. He was anointed to teach and preach. The Bible said that He taught with power and authority. That's the anointing. Amen. He was anointed, anointed to, uh, to control the weather. He was anointed to take and produce uh, supernatural provision uh, with the fish and the loaves. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something else. He was anointed to go to the cross, and he was anointed to die, and he was anointed to raise again from the dead, and he's anointed right now to sit at the right hand of the Father. You say, now why are you saying all that? Because he needed something from God to step out of, outside of his own inability. Obviously, because he chose to come to the earth and get into a human body, there were restrictions upon him. If there were no restrictions, he'd have started, he'd have started healing people when he was 12 years old in the, in the temple, but he didn't do it. Uh, we, we, have no, uh, uh, we have no information of him doing anything supernatural until he was anointed at John's baptism. Amen? Now, you say, is that relevant to us? Yes, because God wants you anointed. In every area of your life, He wants you to anoint, anoint, be anointed as a husband, be anointed as a wife, be anointed as a parent, uh, to be anointed as a, uh, as a church member, uh, to be anointed in whatever job you have, whatever business you're at. He wants you to be able to step outside your own inability and step into God's ability. So what you do, you're not doing of your own strength and ability. You're doing because of Him. Now, to study the word anointing, basically in its basic form, its basic, basic definition, means to rub or to smear upon. To rub or, or, or to smear upon. You know, uh, uh, you take, you take a, a nice big fat turkey at, at, a, at Thanksgiving time and, and you get some good uh, oil and you rub it. You're anointing that turkey. Amen. That's what you're doing. You're rubbing on him. You're rubbing that whatever kind of oil you like to use, uh, safflower oil, sesame seed oil, olive oil. You start rubbing that turkey down and rubbing him down, putting some seasoning on him, rubbing him down a little more. Anybody getting hungry at lunchtime? Praise God. And then you, you, you put him in the oven and he comes out and that oil has had an effect upon him. I mean, it's turned that skin golden brown. It's helped cook it. That flavor goes into it. Oh, man, it's just great, isn't it? But now the anointing of God, the anointing of God that's upon the believer today, literally it's God rubbing His supernatural on our natural area of life. You know, there's different times when different anointings have come upon me in my ministry. 
during the 90s, a lot was preached on prosperity. A lot of it was great, and a lot of it was not so great. But over a period of about three or four years there, that anointing, that, that, that uh, a financial anointing hit our ministry. Now, it hit it to the point that where people recognized it upon us, and I'd go to meetings where I wasn't even preaching, where there'd be someone else up preaching, but they'd get me to get up, get up and, and take the offering. And I did that a few times until the Lord said, don't do that anymore. He said, that's not there. That, that, they see an anointing on you, and they're not willing to walk in their own anointing, so they're trying to use yours. So it wasn't a good thing. But, but for years, for several years there, I mean, it was such an amazing phenomenon. Uh, uh, many of the churches that we had been going to, uh, we'd been going to for like 10 years. And most of them, we had a, a, a way of uh, doing a Sunday through Wednesday, and then we'd do two services a day, and, and teaching them mornings on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on prayer, and then uh, uh, teach and see, you know, just have Holy Ghost meetings uh, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And, and many of the plate we'd go to, and for 10 years, you know, I could just about tell you, the offerings would be anywhere between about $2,500 and about $3,500. Church after church after church. Some of them would be a little higher. Some of them be a little lower. But I'm telling you, just like you flipped a switch, the anointing came upon us, and when we'd go to church, and for 10 years we got $2,500, we'd get $25,000. It blew our minds. I mean, what church we'd be going to for 10 years, where we'd get something like maybe $3,250 or something, we'd get $35,000. I mean, it just, and there was really no, no, no effort to, to, to pull money or anything, because I didn't take the offerings. I didn't receive the offerings. Now, there were times in which we did what was called Empower to Prosper meetings on a Tuesday. But we always, here's how we did it. We would, we would teach on prosperity. We would turn the pulpit back over to the pastor. He would receive the offering. Then he'd come to us, these big old eyes, I've never seen so much money come to my church. What am I supposed to do with it? And we'd say, you do whatever the Lord's told you to. I mean, I never told him, that's my money. You give me my money. You know, I never said that. We would always tell him, you do whatever the Lord tells you to do with that money. And without exception, each and every one of those pastors would take that money and put it into our ministry. And then God would prosper their churches. Well, that was just a unique period of time in which a lot of teaching was going on, in which the, 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 the message was being put into the body of Christ and the anointing to back it up and to vindicate or to demonstrate the information was there. Are you with me? You say, well, why is it that done perpetually? I don't know. Ask God. There was a time back, 1948 through into the, into the 60s, in which a great healing revival took place. And it seemed like there was a healing anointing on anybody that got up in a pulpit. I know of a young boy that got, that got healed five years old in a meeting. At his, his mom and dad were pastors at a meeting at his mom and dad's church. He was blind. This young boy was blind, five years old, born blind. And the guy did not come to preach on anything he came to give a talk about the dangers of communism. Amen? That's back in the 50s, back in the early 50s. So this guy came. It was a church down in, in South Texas. A guy got up, and before he opened, he had all this literature. He had some kind of slideshow or something he was doing. And before he got up, he said, you know, I just feel like in my spirit that God's going to heal a blind person. And up this little boy come. God had already spoke to him, a five-year-old boy at age five years old, that, that, that God was going to heal him that night. And he gave his little friend a quarter to lead him up the aisle and bring him up there. And he went up there and got healed. And then he spent the rest of his life in the healing ministry. He was preaching tent crusades at age seven years old. His name was Jerry B. Walker. Some of y'all might have known Jerry B. 
But he was a unique fellow, to say the least. But anyway, that just shows you how the anointing works. Now, did you find Isaiah? Let's go to the Word real quick and look at this a little bit. Isaiah 27, it says, And it shall come to pass that in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulders and his yoke from off thy neck. Now notice, we're going to focus in on this last phrase here of this Scripture. It says, And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Let's all say that together. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now, back then, they were limited in their, in their, in their descriptive ability. Uh, the languages were much more limited than they are today. And a yoke was something that was used back then to connect two oxen together to give more power. And they likened problems, situations, circumstance to being yoked up to something. Like if you were sick, uh, you know, they would see a picture of a sickness or disease as something you were yoked to, connected to. Uh, a financial problem, uh, uh, whatever kind of problem that it, would make, that it would be, they would see that as something that you were yoked or connected to. But thank God, what does the Word say? It says that because of the anointing, the yoke shall be destroyed. So the anointing destroys the yoke. So whatever you may be yoked up to, the anointing can destroy it. People get yoked up to a lot of stuff. They get yoked up to depression, addiction. They get yoked up to, to uh, fear. Uh, they get yoked up to all kinds of things that are negative. Uh, they get yoked up to hopelessness. Uh, they get yoked up to all kinds of stuff. But the good news is, if you'll expose yourself to the anointing, the anointing of God will break the yoke of that. I had so many things breaking off, broken off of my life as I began to serve God years ago, and there are still things being broken off of my life. And the good news is I'm finding out more and more and more about how to yield to the anointing that breaks the yoke. Can I get a better amen than that? So whatever it is in your life, you say, well, uh, I'm just believing God. The, I'm just believing the Word. Well, that's good. That's what the Word will produce. The Word will produce an anointing that will break the yoke. There is an anointing on the Word that breaks the yoke. That's why it's so important to sit under the teaching of the Word of God. Of course, you guys know that. Y'all come here on Tuesday. But it is so important to sit under the teaching of the Word of God all you can because the more you sit under the teaching of the Word of God, the more the Word has the ability to break those yokes off of your life. Now, go to, uh, let's see, I've got them marked here. Go to, go to Matthew, Matthew 14. And we'll look at this just for a few moments. How's my time? Doing good. Matthew 14, let me make sure I've got all these scriptures right. Yeah, this is it. Matthew 14, look at verse 34. Matthew 14, verse 34. It said, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out, in, uh, sent out into all that country round about, and brought unto him all that were diseased, speaking of Jesus. Now notice this. And they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. You see that? Now, we know Luke chapter 4 talks about how God anointed. Jesus came out of the, 
the, the, the, uh, uh, the wilderness and the power of the Spirit, picked up the book of the Isaiah, found the place where it was written about him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me. Then he goes through that repertoire to, you know, to, to, to preach the gospel to the poor, uh, to heal the brokenhearted, uh, to, heal, to heal blind eyes, to set at liberty them that were bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So there is an anointing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know if we go study Mark chapter 5, because we teach on Mark chapter 5 just about every way you can around here, that there was a woman, the Bible says she was a, uh, had an issue of blood, suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, was nothing better, than, but rather grew worse. But when she heard of Jesus, she said, If I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And then the Bible says she, uh, uh, she, she went into that crowd, she pressed that crowd, she touched the hem of his garment, and the Bible says virtue or power flowed out of him. And the Bible says she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now she accessed that anointing. Did you get that? She accessed that anointing. And when she accessed that anointing, all of that disease, all of that 12 years of whatever it was that was tormenting her life, the yoke was destroyed. Because she was yoked to a physical condition. She was yoked to a financial condition. She was yoked to a mental condition. And she was yoked to a spiritual condition. And when she touched the hem of the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ, she was made perfectly whole. She accessed the anointing of God that was on Jesus. You can say it like this. Jesus was a vessel that carried the anointing. And God wants you to be the same thing. God wants you to be a vessel that carries the anointing. Now, the reason I chose this scripture in Matthew chapter 14, because you can back up into Matthew and find the same story of the woman with the issue of blood. So obviously that story got out. You say, what story got out? The story of touching his clothes or touching his garment. Now I've heard all kind of teaching about how he wore a certain kind of garment with a certain kind of fringe with this and that. Listen, this really doesn't have a whole lot of relevance to it. If he'd have been wearing Levi's and a Hawaiian shirt, it'd have done the same thing. It wasn't the time. It was somebody. I heard a teaching one time that he had on a special rabbi's garment that no nobody else weared, and that particular garment was the reason that all. And hey, that's not true. The Bible said how God anointed Jesus, how God anointed Jesus. He could have been in his pair of surf trunks and flip flops, and the same thing would have happened. But what happened was, is the anointing created information. Hey, did you hear the other day? We were hanging around down there, man, that guy Jesus. You, you heard of that guy Jesus? Yeah, he's kind of a strange dude, man. But, man, wild things happen around him. And, and, and we, were, we were, actually, we were kind of following Jairus because Jairus had some stuff going on at his house with his daughter. We heard his daughter was very sick. And, and next thing we know, we see Jairus going through the town. He's got Jesus kind of fell in with the crowd. And all of a sudden, the whole crowd stopped. Everybody stopped going to Jairus' house. And some woman some little old poor, looked like just couldn't even tell. She just looked sick and emaciated. But all of a sudden, she rose up, and she, she's totally healed, and she's telling this story. Because the Bible says that she came and told him all the truth. And she's telling this story about how she began to talk about and say that if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'd be whole. And you know, as far as I can tell, she was whole. 
I mean, she had a smile on her face. She had light in her eyes. She had a skip in her step. She took off out of there. I'm telling you, I'm te- God did something for her through this man, Jesus. Well, don't you know that, that message was amplified? The message about the anointing will always get out. The enemy will always try to suppress it, but the, the, but, but the message of the anointing will always get out. And, and it's amazing how the enemy fights the anointing because he knows the anointing of God in the earth is that which demonstrates his defeat. Let me say that again. The anointing of God in the earth is that which demonstrates His defeat. Now listen, when we pray these prayers in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, we pray the prayers in Colossians and Philippians chapter 1, praying and meditating upon those prayers helps you respond to the anointing of the Word of God and helps develop the anointing of the Word in you. Now, just for a second, we'll take a little rabbit trail. I was in a meeting a week or so ago and Guy got up and preached, and, and really didn't preach. He just connected a bunch of cliches together, and I guess they were good. I, I kept trying to take notes and couldn't do it, so I only just shut my book. And, uh, uh, but then he, he said, I minister to the sick like this. And he got up, and he had all the sick people stand up. Then he had all the body of Christ go and, and find a sick person, lay hands on them. Well, that may be the way he operates, but in reality... That's not the way I operate. And in reality, it's not the correct way to operate. There is a relevance to body ministry, and there are times when I'll do that. But in reality, if you look at the Word of God, you'll see that God anoints individuals. And I'd much rather have an anointed individual pray for me when I'm sick than I would a bunch of people just come and agree with me because the anointing will do a greater work. I've suffered for... for Several years, first few years of our ministry with uh, throat problems, I always carried, carried uh, uh, cough drops with me everywhere I went. My throat would always get raw. And uh, uh, we were in Darrow, Louisiana at, at uh, I forget his name's church, but Brother Hagen was holding a Holy Ghost meeting there. Kenneth Hagen was holding a Holy Ghost meeting. And, and he gave that out as a word of knowledge. And I went up there. And I'm telling you, as further closer I got to the front, the, the more, more powerful the anointing was. And we weren't sitting very far back. We were like three or four rows back. And so as I began to get up there, he looked at me. He says, that you, Rusty? I said, yes, sir. He laid his hands on me, and something tangible hit me. And that's been 25 years ago, and I hadn't had problems with my throat since then. You say, why? Well, first of all, the anointing did the work and removed it from me. Secondly, I've kept it by the anointing that's on the Word of God. You see what I'm saying? Now, let me just say this. When the anointing is working, there's a tangibility to it. That is the rule, not the exception. There can be times when there is no tangibility to it. But for the most part, when the anointing is working, there's a tangibility not only on the one ministering it, but also the one that receives it. I guarantee you, these people, when they started touching the hem of his garment, notice what it says about it. He besought them that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made whole. Listen, (laughs) I know sometimes, you know, we put such demands upon the Bible to be this kind of Charlton Heston Hollywood type of performance. You know what I'm saying? But it didn't happen like that. You know, it was not orchestrated and scripted and 
I guarantee you, some guy touched the hem of his garment and jumped back and said, I'm healed. And I guarantee you, it was like rats coming to the cheese. I mean, know what I'm talking about. I bet they begin to flock around him. I bet they begin to come around. I bet people were reaching through other people just trying to get to, and everyone, the Bible says, everyone of them that touched him. Don't you know people were doing their best to touch him? You think they just lined up orderly? I'm next. No, I'm next. The ushers helped them, you know. <laughs> I guarantee it's a mob scene. And they were flopping around and getting healed and shouting and dancing and running and pain was gone and, and eyes were open and lepers were gone. I guarantee you all that was going on and happening because everyone that touched him was made whole or was healed. Amen. So that's what's unique about the anointing is once it gets flowing. Listen, we want to win the lost. Everybody say win the lost. We want to we disciple the believer, but we want the anointing to be in manifestation so that people can be touched and healed. You know, uh, it's been a, a couple of months ago we had a Sunday morning service without anointing just, just fell in here. I've got a better example than that. About, uh, right after uh, fall harvest, uh, before Thanksgiving, I'd had a couple of experiences in my hands, and I'd never said anything about it. And the Lord kept dealing with me about an anointing for healing that I needed to enter into and, and begin to discover, because that's how it works many times. And so I never said anything. I just kept, I remember I was at Pastor Sam Carr's. The first time that I, I even sensed it, I was at Pastor Sam Carr's, and Miss Becky was leading praise and worship. And I'm telling you, the glory of God came into that place. I mean, just the glory of God. And I was, I was worshiping God. I was sitting up there on the front row with all my buddies, and we were worshiping God. And it felt like, literally, warm oven mitts come on my hand. And I, the sensation was so tangible. And I'm like, you know, this is just strange. And it was on me for a while. And so, uh, you know, I, I actually forgot about it. And it was several weeks later. The same thing here at Island Church. Uh, Roland and the crew, they hit some, some vein in worship. And the glory of God began. And I, felt, I, I sensed that again. So I began to pray about that. And the Lord began to speak to me about that. So it was about it was about. Six weeks after that, another worship service on a Sunday morning, that same sensation. So I thought, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try this out. And I got up, and we called for people to come up. And, you know, we don't push people over or do anything like that. But I'm telling you, I went down, and I'd barely get my hand close to people. And they'd hit the floor. Boom, 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 just like that. Well, that was that anointing. And, you know, in reality, I've not experienced it since then. Because it doesn't work as we would will. It works as he wills. Now, another example. I was, we were, I was teaching Bible school up at Lamarck at Abundant Life. And uh, uh, this is before the, the, the larger building was built. They built the small building, expanded it, and, and before the larger building was built. And, and uh, I had a class. I would travel, and then I'd have to come in and make up several classes. I never let anybody else teach my classes. I'd always make them up. And, and this was a particular, it was on a Thursday because I remember I was gone and I came back from wherever I was on late Wednesday night and got up early Thursday morning. And the pastor called me and he said, meet me over at Kelly's for breakfast. I said, okay. And I, and I walked in, and he was there with two or three of his staff members. And when I walked in, this anointing just comes on me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I, I, remember, I remember drinking a, a glass of water and then going to class. I just sat there for a minute and really didn't say anything. Went to class. And the closer I got to the, to the class and to the, and to the 
into the, uh, uh, the, the sanctuary, the stronger that anointing got. Now, I did not realize that the guy before me, bless his heart, good man, man of God, had been teaching on some of the religions of the world, Buddhism, uh, uh, Muslim religion, all that kind of stuff, which we don't do that. You know, you say, well, I think I'm going to study the Islam. Don't do it. You say, I think, huh? Were you in that class? I, I, I uh, uh, you know, I uh, uh, always tell people, don't go study those things. You say, well, you'll pick up a spirit. Well, anyway, I walked into that class, and this spirit was in there. And I was like, what is this? And that anointing got stronger. And I really don't know everything that happened in that meeting. Roland was there. And there was a lot of other people that we know that were there. But I'm telling you, the anointing hit that place. And God did things supernaturally in people. And the power of God came into manifestation. Because, see, the anointing is always to benefit people. Now, see, that's what Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. Amen? Now, real quick, where are we there? Go to, go to this is good, this is good, in Luke. Luke verse Excuse me, chapter 6. Keep checking my time, making sure I'm... Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Now, this, this will help you too. Notice this. It says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of, the, of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon now notice this very carefully. If you're, if you're taking notes and, and, and marking your Bible, this is what you need to mark. Which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went out virtue. That word virtue, power, or the anointing out of him, and healed them all. But now notice, there's something added to this that was not in the book of Matthew. Now notice this. Which came to hear him and be healed. See, a lot of people come to be healed, but they don't come to hear him. So this is a real revelation on how the anointing works. It's when people come to hear him, the anointing will be activated. Now listen. There are things you can do to enhance it, and there are things you can do to, to suppress it. That's why praise and worship is such a, 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 a tremendously particular, important ministry of helps. You know, there is no, there is no in the New Covenant, when you study the New Covenant, there is no uh, uh, music ministry. Music ministry falls within the confines of the ministry of helps, is what it is in the New Testament church. And uh, in the Old Covenant, their worship and their praise, which was a ministry, because if you study, and that's where a lot of people have made the mistake in the study of praise and worship, is they go in to the Levitical uh, 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 law and how the Levitical law operated. And, there, and we studied all this when I was in Bible school. Let's see, there was Korah. There was, there was several different people you could name in the Bible who God specially anointed them, and they basically set the standard for praise and worship in the Old Covenant. And they had a music ministry. Are you with me? Not only that, you had people like David, who was a psalmist and literally had a music ministry. 
You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Go study when he was a young boy. And they took him into Saul's court. And the Bible says the, the, the evil spirit from God, we know that's permissive, it was permitted by God, would come upon Saul and David would come and play the harp. And I guarantee he was probably reciting psalms. And the Bible said uh, Saul would be refreshed and his spirit would come to him again. Well, that's the anointing that was working. Amen. But now in our covenant, the praise and worship is so connected to the anointing. The ministry of helps where God specially anoints certain men and women in order to bring the anointing into a particular ministry. I thank God for the people that we have because it's powerful. And, and Brother Roland and Sister Laura and all the praise and worship team work very hard to keep that and maintain that. And what's amazing is any little thing wrong in it can mess it up. Any wrong attitude, any wrong heart, any wrong motivation, any little can mess all that up and the anointing will not flow. That's why you got to be so careful with it. In the Philippines, the second trip I made to the Philippines in the, in the early 90s, we started a, a conference there in, in, um, in uh, Cebu City, I think. Yeah, Cebu City. And the, 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 we had this, they were um, professional musicians that had like albums that were being played on the radio and all this kind of stuff, and they came. And I'm telling you, man, as far as talent goes, they, they blew the roof off. They sang some of their songs. They sang some, some, you know, some worship songs, things like that. And, and, and it was, let me just say this, it was entertaining, but it wasn't anointed. Now, they started with us in the conference, but Monday night, a new praise and worship team came, and it was a group of young people from a Bible school down in, in Davao, which is the largest city in the island of Mindanao, from a friend of ours church, Ben Gaetano. Ben's since gone on to be with the Lord. But they built a beautiful church down there. Uh, had over uh, six or 7,000 members and, and had a huge Bible school. When I knew Brother Ben, they had, they had started 800 churches across Mindanao. And 500 of them had their own, had their own uh, uh, building. Because they had a, the way their Bible school worked, their Bible school was anointed. And so you'd go one year and learn the Bible uh, generally. And then the, the second year, you were expected to come into Bible school and say, well, I feel like I'm supposed to be a pastor. I feel like I'm supposed to work on the music team. I think I'm supposed to do this or that. And so you'd go into your particular place. Now, all of the pastors, they'd go into a pastoral class, and after they finished their pastoral class, they were given one year's salary. And they had to have a, a city or a town or a little hamlet already in mind that they were going to. And as soon as they graduated, they were launched out to the 800 of them had succeeded. And 500 had their own buildings. So that, that school was anointed. Ben Gaetano's vision as a true apostle of God was anointed. Are you with me? So the anointing's flowing in. So here comes this little praise and worship team. There was five of them. It was a keyboard player, keyboard player, bass player, drummer a guitar player, and one guy that just kind of led, that kind of sang. And I'm telling you, the first song they sang, and they were not near as talented, but the first song they sang, the anointing was so tangible, they led that whole conference into the presence of God, and as they did that, that conference took off, and we accomplished what we were wanting to accomplish during that conference. It's amazing. And it was such a... Uh, an illustrated lesson to me of how the anointing works. But now back to the, back to the, uh, the scripture that we're reading, the, 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 
came to hear him is important because it is faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you're going to receive from the anointing, you're going to have to have faith. Now, I watched this. I saw this as a child. Alan can probably attest to the same thing. Especially in the ministry of Mom and Dad Goodwin, Brother Hagen. And, of course, Sister Aretha, too, would minister with, uh, with him from time to time. And I'd see him, and, 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 and they'd lay hands on people and say things like, Oh, it's going in you. No, 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 you're trying to receive that with your head. No, that's not for your head. That's for your heart. Receive that receive, and just take the hands off and turn and walk away. Because the person being ministered to, even though the anointing was there, would not receive it. Now, I've experienced that a lot in our own ministry. I didn't understand that then as a child. I thought, what's going into him? How can he tell anything's going into him? What in the world? What, 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 is it? what does that feel like? Amen? What does that mean? Yeah, I wondered all that as a child. But then when I got into the ministry, I, I was actually still in Bible school. And, and I was sitting on the front row uh, at Lakewood Church on a Wednesday night. And Pastor Doty, who always ministers to the sick, called for the sick to come. And about 200 people came. And so she's there with about two or three of her prayer, prayer partners. And they're laying hands on And she just kind of, because she's kind of small, and she kind of parts the crowd. And she, she said, Rusty, you come up here and help me now. Uh, because, because you're going to be doing this the rest of your life. I remember, remember exactly how she said You're going to be doing this the rest of your life. And so I went up there. <laughs> and when you went up there, you could sense the presence of God real strong. Y'all that ever went to Lakewood know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm real strong. And the first guy I went up to lay hands on looked at me like he wanted to chop my head off. Here he'd come, come to be ministered to by, you know, by John Osteen or Dodio, all this guy. And they call up a Bible school student. But the thing was, the anointing was there. I could sense it tangible. I just prayed for him. I didn't feel nothing. I must have prayed for a dozen people that I, I, I recognized no, nothing tangible. But I got around that line to somebody, I don't know who it was to this day, because it was an event to me. And I laid my hand upon that person, and when it did, I felt it just rush out of me. Whoosh! It just rushed out of me. Hit that person, back they went, fell on the floor. I never knew, I never checked up on what happened to them or anything like that. But I experienced that anointing, because anytime the presence of God is there, and people have come to hear and respond to what they hear, they can be a candidate to receive the anointing. Are you with me? And so that is an important component because a lot of people over the years have flowed in an anointing, and when it started getting outside the boundaries of God, they got themselves in trouble. Cost some people their lives. There was a man back during the voice of healing, and actually from the testimonies that I've heard and what I've researched, if you were to categorize the most powerful, those that seem to, uh, to operate most powerfully, especially in the working of miracles, which were creative miracles when it came to sickness and disease, this man stood above all of them. Jack Cole was his name. Jack Cole died at age 38. And he had this uh, tremendous anointing upon him. And people, he'd put up his tent somewhere and people would come from all over the nation to be healed. And he got into some 
doing some things. The Lord actually spoke to Brother Hagen, and Brother Hagen gave the prophecy to Gordon Lindsay, Christ for the Nations. So if you've ever heard Christ for the Nations, uh, Gordon Frieda Lindsay started that, but Brother Gordon Lindsay published a magazine, The Voice of Healing, that was the, the, the advertising the advertising magazine for all the people that were in the Voice of Healing, some 70 ministers, most of the most prominent ministers in the United States that, that flowed in the Voice of Healing, men like Jack Cole, William Branham, uh, people like that. The only person that wasn't in it was Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts had his own, but he did fellowship with him. Now, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagen prophetically and said, you go to Jack Cole and you tell him he needs to judge himself on his health, on his weight. He said, the man ate like a horse. He said he was, you know, a couple of hundred pounds overweight. Couldn't hardly get around. He said, now you go tell him to judge himself on his love walk. He said he was, everybody said he was mean as a snake. He just mean as he could be. He said, thirdly, you tell him he better judge himself on money. So Lee and I were with Brother Hagen at the Pelican Club. And I asked him the question. I said, Brother Hagen, I've heard you teach for years about the minister. We all know who it is. And you talked about you know, how, what an anointing he had and how powerful that anointing was. But if he didn't judge himself in three areas, his life would be cut short. You know, he died at age 38. His life would be cut short. I said, so it's easy to understand the love walk. He needed to walk in love. Quit being so stinking mean. It's easy to understand, you know, take care of yourself physically. Amen. That's easy. Now, but I said, I said, and she was sitting there with me. I said, what, what was it with the money? What was he doing with the money? And so, Brother Hagen said, that anointing would come into a meeting. And he said, Jack Cole would stand up on the front of the platform, step up there like this, and reach in his pocket and pull out a 50 or $100 bill and hold it up like this. And he'd say, you want this? You want this anointing? You want to be healed? Bring me one of these. And he said, the people would line up with money and bring him money. And I looked at Brother Hagen, and I said, why? then why did people get healed? Why did that gift work so powerfully? Why did that anointing work so powerfully in his ministry if he was breaching such moral boundaries? And, and Brother Hagin, I remember he got a smile on his face. He says, Rusty, the reason is is because God loves people. And even though men may get into sin, God loves people more than the man's sin. That's why God spoke to him through me, through Brother Gordon Lindsay, to judge himself. God was trying to save his life, but God wasn't going to penalize hurting people because this man was messed up, and he let that anointing continue to flow. And there's stories like that. I could tell you stories like that about other ministers that I've knew. The same thing. Listen, that anointing is precious to God, but as, as precious as the anointing is, so are the people that need it. Now, Jesus, you don't have to turn there. We'll close. My time's just about up. In John chapter 7, Jesus, the Bible says, he stood up on the great, uh, on the, at the great feast, and he said this. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the Scriptures hath said. Now, we read past that all the time, not realizing that it is the Scriptures, it is the Word of God that are our boundaries and our protection for the anointing to work. Actually, what Jesus was talking about drinking of was the Holy Ghost. He was talking about the baptism of the Spirit. John chapter 7 speaks of the Spirit of on, upon. Uh, John chapter 4 speaks of, of the Spirit within. You know, the woman at the well. 
be a, be a, be a wellspring uh, 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 bubbling up in you. But you see, John chapter 7 is talking about the river. Out of your belly will flow rivers. of. That's talking about the anointing, the, the power of the Holy Ghost on every believer. Listen, when you got baptized, when you got, when you got saved, an anointing came to abide on the inside. The Bible says that unction or that anointing teaches you all things. Or it'll keep you in agreement with what the Word of God says. It'll keep you within the right perimeters of the Word. Because, honey, there's people out there that get, they get goofy. They got holy water, holy cloths, holy this, holy that. I heard Brother Copeland one time talk about a guy with a seed bag. He had an anointed seed bag. He seen this little burlap sold bag. You put all your money in there, send it back to him. So he said, this guy, this guy was on the radio complaining, saying, you know, I want to send you all a seed bag. Get you a seed bag out there. You need to write in. Get your seed bag. Put your money in the seed bag. Send it back to me. Because we're really having problems financially with our radio ministry here, and we need you to send some money in in the seed bag. Brother Copeland said, I yelled at the radio, why don't you use that seed bag? <laughs> People always get outside the perimeter of that. But Jesus said, he that believeth on me, as the Scriptures have said, we stay within the confines of the Scripture." Man, I've seen some goofy things happen. Man, over in Ireland, when we first begin to minister, because things will happen when the true comes, the enemy always tries to send the false in there. And this crazy, I don't know what it was called. It was a, a healing your past or something. It was all connected to going back into your past and, you know, healing this and healing that because, you, you know, you were a middle child or your family was involved in this or that. And, and listen, we can trace it all the way back to Adam. We're in reality figuring out the, the, the curse on humanity is not figuring out a, a personal curse on you because of, of your family. It's realizing Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law because the law revealed sin and iniquity. But man, they had what they did was is they'd get people into these meetings and, and they'd get them all emotional. Listen, one of the things that resist the anointing is emotion. That's why when people come up, don't get mad at me. When I do it, I try to get them to stop crying. I try to get them to stop an emotional response because a lot of times when people step into the anointing or step into the presence of God, that's strange to them. And so immediately they have, a, have an emotional response. You're not to have an emotional response. You're to have a faith response. Amen. But, but, but um, lost my place. What was I talking about? You don't remember? Supposed to be my helper. In Ireland, the people, the people, they, they would get them all emotional. Now, when you get emotional, you can get messed up. Did you know that? So he got them all emotional, and then they would tell them that you're going to go back now. The, the Spirit of God is going to send you, and actually you were going to go back into the womb. I just don't remember that. Because they actually, in their teaching, they were talking about you weren't born the right way. You came out upside down, sideways, backwards, you know, one foot first, other foot first. I don't know what. It was crazy. So they, they, they would get you and you'd go all the way back. Then you would begin to relive traumatic experiences. And as you relive traumatic experiences, the minister would minister to you and get you set free. You know, I'd be down there for like six years. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'd be down there for like six years. So we were in a meeting, and the anointing was there. Everybody say the anointing. 
Thank God for the anointing. The anointing was, and this precious little Irish woman with her Irish broke. And I said, oh, Brother Rusty, I was at this meeting, and, and they told me, and they ministered to me here and there, and all this kind of stuff. And they said, then they finally came to the conclusion that I had sin in my life that I didn't know anything about. So in all my wisdom, this is what I said. I said, ma'am, if I were to hit you in the head with a hammer, would you know it? She said, yes. I said, how would you know it? She says, it would hurt. I said, don't you think if you had sin, do you love Jesus? She said, I love Jesus. I said, you love the Lord? I love the Lord. Tears begin to roll down her face. I said, well, don't you know if you were to displease him, it hurt? And man, I'm telling you, it's like a light came in her face. She said, that was just foolish. She got a little mad. That was just foolishness. I said, that's what it was. And we laid hands on her and the power of God ministered to her. But see, that, that's the people get, he that believeth on me, as the scriptures. What did Jesus use the anointing for? He used it to heal, deliver, set free from demonic activity. He used it to, 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 to still the storm. He used it to, uh, to, to, to uh, divide the, the breads and the fish, supernatural provision. The anointing was used, and within the confines of that, we stay very safe. And God blesses his people. Amen? So don't you thank God for the anointing? Why don't you stand up on your feet and thank God for the anointing that's on your life? Amen? Father, we thank you this morning that the anointing breaks the yoke. And Father, I thank you every person in here that needs the anointing to touch their life. I thank you, Heavenly Father. They'll find that anointing and pull on it and receive that which God has. And I thank you that every person in here also is developing anointing upon them to do whatever you've called them to do. An anointing, Heavenly Father, to work in the ministry. An anointing to be in the ministry. Anointing to do whatever God's called them to do. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you today for your word, that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that the word is anointed today and we recognize its work in our lives. Thank you for protection and safety in our travel and work. Thank you. We'll gather back together tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.